The information presented in this podcast is of a general nature and is intended for educational and entertainment purposes only. It should never be used as a substitute for mental care, medical care, or for prevention, diagnosis, or treatment of any other illness. Always consult with a mental health or healthcare professional before engaging in any activities promoted in this podcast. Are you a fan of the Superhero Therapy Podcast? Do you want more episodes, more content, and more guests? Do you want our show to reach and inspire more of those in need? Well, we can really use your support. If you would like to help us in our mission to spread awareness and destigmatize mental health struggles, we ask that you please subscribe, rate, review, and share our podcast with friends, family, and folks you might think would enjoy and benefit from our content. Most importantly, please consider joining our Patreon community and becoming a contributor. As one of our Patreon contributors, you will get access to exclusive content, announcements, videos, and more. You will join a community of like-minded pop culture enthusiasts that celebrate our connections to our favorite movies, TV shows, icons, and superheroes. As a contributor, you will also be helping us support mental health charities as 15% of our proceeds are donated monthly. To join our Patreon community, go to www.patreon.com, make an account, search for Superhero Therapy, and select one of our tiers. Now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to Superhero Therapy with Dr. Janina Scarlett. I am your host, Dustin McGinnis. I am a musician, filmmaker, and all-around fanboy. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. I'm a clinical psychologist, author, and a full-time geek. So today, we're going to do some karate chops and some crane kicks and all that good stuff because we're going to be covering Cobra Kai. Can't wait. (laughs) This is a wonderfully entertaining Karate Kid spinoff series. It's amazing. We will be covering content from all three seasons of this show, so there will be a lot of spoilers ahead. If you haven't seen Cobra Kai and are not caught up, please take heed on listening ahead. Cobra Kai, in my opinion, is a study in redemption that offers this uplifting inspiration and sweet nostalgia that feels like you're foraging through an old time capsule filled with these 80s mixtapes. Now take it easy. This car isn't technically yours yet. Relax, Danielle. Here. There you go. You like Speedwagon? What kind of man doesn't? But if you don't like it, no, no. Sorry. After all, 1984's The Karate Kid is a beloved classic that empowered a generation to stand up for themselves and practice crane kicks and try to catch flies with chopsticks. (laughs) Man who catch fly with chopsticks accomplish anything. 
Did you ever do that by any chance? Did you ever try to catch flies with chopsticks? I have not, but I know people who have. <laughs> <laughs> I did try. It does not work. <laughs> but I tried a lot of things. I tried the thing where you smack your hands together, rub them really fast, and it warms them up, and then you put them on a wound or you know try to heal somebody. I still do that to this day, by the way. And it feels really good. <laughs> so... It seems that Hollywood and production companies are really trying to focus on nostalgia. What do you think about this? I think that for so many of us that felt misunderstood and underrepresented in the 80s, having something like Karate Kid and certain other movies that came out around that time gave us something not only to look forward to, but a place to belong in a lot of ways. Karate Kid shows that you don't have to be the most popular kid in school in order to not only stand up for yourself, but also to stand up for the people that you care about. And I think for a lot of people that have wished that they could stand up to their bullies, movies like Karate Kid had given them a place of belonging. And now, all of these years later, bringing a lot of these movies back with sequels or maybe certain ways of alluding to some of these classics. I think that Hollywood and a number of different companies outside of Hollywood too are allowing people to re-experience that feeling, to feel welcome again, to feel like a part of a group, almost like having a warm hug or drinking a warm mm. cup of hot chocolate on a cold winter day. And so I think nostalgia feelings can feel very much like that. They can feel like a blanket, you know, <laughs> on, on a cold and, you know, rainy day. And so think about watching the Karate Kid, having hot cocoa, being under a blanket. How awesome <laughs> would that be? All the feels. <laughs> All the feels, exactly. And and so, and I think that now during some of the darkness that we've been going through, especially shows like it that make us feel so nostalgic, but also connected again are really important. And I think give us almost like a time machine adventure ride into our past. Yes, I love it. I love Cobra Kai. I love the Karate Kid when I was younger. It definitely touches on me to see all these things just re-represented in this new series. Most of us are aware that Johnny Lawrence was the initial bad guy in the first Karate Kid movie. He was the wealthy, popular jock type bully who relentlessly picked on the new kid, Danny LaRusso. You couldn't leave well enough alone. Could you little twerk? No, you had to push it. Well, now you're gonna pay. Where are you going, sweetheart? How about a front kick, Johnny? Get him up. He was an overall jerk. Let's just be honest. <laughs> Eventually, Daniel learns karate from Mr. Miyagi. First, wash all the car, then wax. Wax. Well, what do I have to wash all the car? Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but I... Right. Wax on, right hand. Wax off, left hand. Wax on, 
wax off, breathe, in through nose, out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, where these cars come from? Wax on. Detroit! Wax off. Wax on. Wax he learned it as self-defense. And even though Johnny cheats, Daniel beats him to win the All-Valley Karate Championship and become the beloved hero that he is. Until this spinoff, Johnny's story ended at the beginning of Karate Kid Part 2. And after losing to Daniel in such a dramatic fashion, Johnny's life continued down a very self-destructive path. And the audience is right there with him in this new TV show. Cobra Kai starts out by examining what has become of Johnny's life after all these years. It would appear that even though it's been 34 years since losing to Daniel LaRusso, Johnny is in a dark place. He's a down and out alcoholic. He's miserable. He can't hold a job. He's estranged from his ex-wife and son who he abandoned. And his own stepfather calls a pathetic loser. What can be said about old events and failures influencing someone's life to spiral out of control as the result of them? Mm. I think one of the things that the show does really well is giving us multiple perspectives and points of view. And I think this allows us to see, at the very least in the first season, that there are no villains. I think mm -hmm. that's what makes the first season arc so powerful. There are no villains. There are opposing forces. And Johnny and Danny are those forces, along with a lot of the kids that we see in this show. What we're seeing, too, is that it's not only one person's failure, as you said, or I would call it a setback. So, for example, Johnny losing the match. It's also how this person then interprets this kind of a loss and the way that other people have them understand this loss, too. So for Johnny, we learn that karate was his way out of his abusive family, out of his very abusive stepfather's house. It was the only way that he could find his own sense of community and belonging. And when he lost his mentor, the one person that he looked up to, Chris, right, mm -hmm. shamed him and actually almost strangled him for losing. That sucks. I did my best. What did you say? I said I did my best. You're nothing. You lost. You're a loser. No, you're the loser, man. Oh, I'm the loser, huh? Yeah. Now who's a loser? You know, you're really sick, man. Hey. Hey, hey come on. Uh, hey. What are you Don't. Doing? How does second place feel now, huh? Come on, he can't breathe. Mind your business. You're gonna kill him. Sensei, please, you're hurting him. He's sorry, okay? He really is. Oi. Let him go. For Johnny, I think it wasn't just about losing a match. I think it meant that a part of him had died. I think it meant that he couldn't see himself in the same light that he did previously and unfortunately a lot of the people in his life reinforced that self-belief that he developed that he is no good that he is quote-unquote a loser and in fact his stepfather even called him that in reality johnny was a successful you know wonderful kid who yes made a lot of mistakes but also really I think just needed that sense of belonging and if he had 
a compassionate figure like Mr. Miyagi, mm -hmm. like Daniel had, I wonder how different Johnny's life would have turned out. We see that Danny didn't have a father figure. He had a supportive mother, which was really helpful. She was very involved in his life. And he easily got along with people. I think that he had very good social skills, which definitely helped him a lot. But he also had this wonderful mentor in Mr. Miyagi. And I think that's what helped him to believe in himself. That's what helped him to succeed, even when he had setbacks. Had Johnny had someone like Mr. Miyagi in his life, I wonder where he would be now 34 years later. Mm -hmm. I want to expand on that a little bit further. As the show continues from Johnny's perspective, we see that his stepfather, Sid, was a very poor parental figure. Sid not only enabled Johnny with his wealth by buying away Johnny's problems, he was very verbally abusive to him throughout his whole life. And they could kick like all the way above their heads. I mean, if I get those lessons, then I could totally get it above my head. That's great, sweetie. Oh yeah, and they had this snake, and it had these huge fangs, and it was just so cool. Oh yeah, they also had these headbands, and it was so badass. Uh, you can get the lessons, right, Mom? Hi, honey. How was work? Shitty. So Wallace is being a real pain in my rear. I had to tell him who runs Lorimar. Well, Johnny had a good day, right, Johnny? Tell him. Uh, yeah, I was wondering if I could take a karate class. Karate? Ha! Look at you! You're a skinny little white boy! Besides, don't you get in enough fights already at school? Sid. What? Look, the kid's a social reject. He doesn't have a single friend. Well, maybe this is how he can make some friends. Make some friends. So, you want to be the next Bruce Lee, huh? First there was a drum set, then it was the roller skates. Whatever happened to the magic kit? You were going to be Doug Henning. He's 12 years old. They go through phases, they try new okay, things. Okay, fine, I'll write the goddamn check. I'll make it out to garbage because that's where it's going to end up. Seriously. What seriously? Just... Just what? Just don't tonight, please. And then enter John Kreese and all that stuff and physical abuse. And Johnny was set up to almost fail. How does treatment like this affect someone's development? Well, we know that for so many people, in fact, I think just for about everyone, there are three factors that influence who we are and what we become, right? And that's nature, nurture, and choice. Our nature has to do with our genetics, right? So we see Johnny's mom, but she doesn't seem to be very involved in his life. We don't really know much about her and we don't know much about his father, Except for, I believe at one point, Johnny might mention that his father used to drink as well. I could be wrong, but I, I thought that he might have mentioned it. And then nurture has to do with the way that we're raised, with the parental figures and mentors that we have in our lives. And for Johnny, all of his role models were abusive, as you mentioned, either emotionally abusive like his stepdad or physically abusive and violent like Kreese. And all of them telling him that unless he does a certain thing, like, for example, unless he wins the match, he's no good, he's worthless, he's a loser. And unfortunately, after a while, people started to believe these messages. Now, we said the third component is choice. And for Johnny, I think he had chosen to fall into the erroneous messages that his stepdad and his mentor, Kreese, had fed to him, believing himself to be a nothing and kind of creating a self-fulfilling prophecy where he 
gave up on caring about people who were really important to him. He was not in his son's life and he believed that that was the best thing for Robbie. That's the heartbreaking part is Mm -hmm. that he wasn't involved in his son's life because he believed that it would be better for his son. And he started drinking to avoid his pain. Unfortunately, what we know about avoidance behavior is that it perpetuates the very outcomes we're trying to avoid. And so the more Johnny drank to avoid his problems, the more problems he would have. And the less connected and supported he was by other people. He fell out of touch with his friends who, as we see later, still very much love him and care about him. But in kind of shunning himself from other people, he lost touch with the very people that cared about him. And I think that he really struggled for a long time with maybe realizing how depressed he really was, how lonely he was. And it wasn't until Miguel stepped into his life that Johnny realized that it really meant a lot to him to be a mentor and a father figure. Since you mentioned Miguel, after Johnny loses yet another job, he meets the young, very sweet boy named Miguel Diaz. Hey, I'm Miguel. My family and I just moved into 109. Great, more immigrants. Actually, we're from Riverside. But anyways, I was just wondering if you were having trouble with your water pressure, because I know our is being a little weird right now. Oh, bottles go in the blue bin. Listen, Menudo, I've lived in this shit all for over 10 years. Pipes don't work, fountain's full of piss. And the only good thing about being here is I don't have to talk to anybody. So nice knowing you. Okay. Well, have a nice day, I guess. And Johnny defends Miguel and protects him from bullies with his karate skills. And... We should talk about that because he beats up minors. <laughs> yeah, that is a... He, well, he kicks the crap out of him, too. <laughs> but... Pretty illegal, highly unethical. <laughs> it's very nice of him to protect Miguel, but maybe beating up minors is not the way to do it. Yeah. In a way, they deserved it. <laughs> They were they were horrible kids, <laughs> but I get it. He, he's 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 an adult. He shouldn't be picking on minors. Miguel is this wonderful kid. Throughout the beginning, encourages Johnny to start up a karate school and get his life back on track. Hey, I just, I just wanted to say thank you. Well, you said it. So last night was that like taekwondo or jujitsu or MMA or something? It's karate. Old school karate. Do you think you could teach me? What? No. What? Come on. on. When school starts, those guys are going to make my life miserable. That's not my problem. If I just knew a little bit of what you knew, then I would be Forget it. I don't do karate anymore. All right? Besides, I need to find a job. Well, you could open your own karate school. It's called a dojo. Well, you could open your own dojo. Look, I'm not getting into this with you. All right? I'm not even sure I'm allowed to be around kids right now. All right? You want my advice? Stop being so annoying. Maybe you'll stop getting your ass kicked. Over time, Johnny becomes a father figure, like you mentioned, and their connection influences Johnny to slowly become a better person. What do you think is so powerful about their relationship and how can care for others help our own personal growth? I think they both filled in that hole in their hearts that was missing. Miguel's father wasn't in his life. If I remember correctly, he was in the cartels, right? And he was not a good person. I think Miguel's mother, Carmen, ran from him 
and wanted to protect her son. Miguel needed a father figure. He needed someone to look out for him. He needed someone to be involved in his life to support him. And Johnny needed someone to support. I think he needed somebody to teach, to mentor, to have a sense of purpose. And I think we see that in so many people, people who are struggling with depression, anxiety, suicidal ideation, people that maybe are even considering giving up on life. And then either if they have a child or when they get a cat or a dog, when they have somebody to take care of, it's almost like something reawakens in them because we have someone to get out of bed for. We have someone to care for. We have someone to to make sure that they're okay. And I think for both of these individuals, being in each other's lives was life-changing. And I think they both really supported each other with their heartache and also with healing. It's very interesting how we're talking about personal growth and things like that and how over time your personality can change due to your environment or whatever. Once Cobra Kai is reformed again by Johnny, one of his new students is Eli Mouskowitz. Eli was born with a cleft palate. Cleft palates are also referred to as cleft lips or hair lips, and they are birth defects that occur when the tissue of the lip or the palate of the fetus do not fuse together while the baby is in the womb. This leaves a gap that looks kind of like a tear in the upper lip that requires surgery and stitching and occasionally leaves large scars on the upper lip area. For example, actor Joaquin Phoenix is a celebrity off the top of my head that has a large scar from a cleft palate. Eli was bullied throughout his childhood for this and made fun of for this birth condition. No, you don't understand. My son is getting bullied every day. Yeah, they call him names. Freak, loser, shit lip. It, it's not right. You have to do something about this. You're going to make an announcement? Don't have them make an announcement. Just please keep his name out of it. I don't want him to be embarrassed. I'm sure that this will nip it in the bud. Uh-huh. You realize what you've done? The school needed to know that this behavior should not be tolerated. Don't you get it? They're never going to stop making fun of me because I'm a loser. That's not true. Wake up, Mom. I'm a freak. I'm never going to have any other friends besides Dimitri. I'm never going to get a girlfriend. I'm never going to be anything other than a kid with a weird lip. Once he joins Cobra Kai, he transforms from this meek and nerdy outcast into a mohawk-wearing badass named Hawk. Hawk soon embraces the whole Cobra Kai mantras and becomes a jerk. He was this really nice kid, and then he starts bullying kids and becomes cruel and malicious. Still can't wait to read that new issue, huh? Nice hair. What is this, your Red Hulk phase? I saw your Yelp review. Take it down. And ruin my journalistic integrity? Look, I'm sorry, but someone had to say something. And besides, taking it down could hurt my Yelp elite status. I said take it down. You think I'm afraid of you? I know who you really are, Eli. So why don't you rock steady and bebop? Just leave me alone, okay? 
Great. So this is what it's come to. Gang assault. Take it down, or we take you down. You'd actually hurt me? What do you think about Hawk's transformation and becoming what he used to fear and despise? I think for a lot of people, especially people who want so badly to fit in and belong, and I think a lot of us can relate to that feeling, when they finally belong to a group, sometimes to prove themselves worthy to a particular group, they might take it a step too far. Sometimes we see that with certain individuals that follow a certain religion or a certain political party, or sometimes we see that when people join a particular gang. When people, for the first time, feel that sense of belonging, their self-esteem goes up, and I think that for the first time, they feel that sense of family that was missing before, and in order to prove themselves, sometimes they might pick on anyone they see as other. And I think that's why we see Hawk being so loyal to the members of the Cobra Kai and so aggressive to anyone he sees as other, to anyone he sees as in competition with him, especially with members of Miyagi-Do. Mm-hmm. And that's very interesting how relationships get strained. He was really close to Dimitri and they would bond over Doctor Who and all these nerdy things like Star Trek, like we do. <laughs> and then after that, he really talks down to him and actually ends up beating him up a little bit. Actually, ends up breaking his arm. <laughs> More than a little bit, yeah. Hey, man. I heard about what happened with Dimitri. How could you do that? You should be thanking me for getting revenge on the Miyagi-Dos. Besides, they're the ones who started the fight. We finished it. That's not what our sensei taught us. He's not my sensei anymore. After everything sensei launched it for you, you betray him. He betrayed us. Look, this isn't you talking. It's crazy. He's got in your head. You can change that if you leave Cobra Kai and join Sensei Lawrence's new dojo. If you come, others will follow. Okay, we can show everyone that we're not a bunch of bullies. It could be like before. His transformation is so interesting. And we'll, we'll get back into transformations because that's one thing that this show really does well is it really shows how people can go in and out of being good and bad. And we'll, we'll get into that. You mentioned Robbie a little bit earlier. And basically, he's a nice kid, but he's on a bad path. And Johnny treats Miguel with more love and compassion than his own son. See that building over there? The hospital? That's where Robbie was born. February 4th, 2002, it was a Monday. His mom was in labor for 17 hours. It must've been crazy. Yeah, I'm sure it was. I wasn't there. My mom had just died. I was a real mess. I never knew my father since she was all I had. Next thing I know, I'm gonna be a dad. It scared the shit out of me. So instead of being up there, welcoming him into the world, I was down here soaking up the booze from a three-day bender, trying to get the courage to walk across the street. I never got there. 
failed my kid on his very first day in this world. And I've been failing him every day since. Just since this is personal stuff, you don't have to tell me. No, I, I should have told you a long time ago. It's one of the most painful things in my life. One of the best things has been teaching you. And I want you to know, no matter what happens, I promise. I'll always be on your side. And I'll always have your best interests at heart. Thank you. Johnny and Robbie's relationship is very strained. Although Johnny makes some effort to rekindle their relationship over this time, Robbie continuously rejects his father. And I honestly sympathize with Robbie and see where he's coming from here. Hey, let me give you a hand. I don't need your help. You're right, you don't. But you're my kid and I'm your dad. So let me give you a hand. Look, I know we've had our problems, Robbie, but you know... Before that fight at the school, you and I were headed in the right direction. We had one good day, over a month ago. And where have you been since then? Why didn't you show up? Karami, I'm really sorry. I wanted to be there. Something happened at the hospital. I get it. Robbie, come on. No, it's fine. I shouldn't be surprised that you chose Miguel over me again. I didn't choose Miguel over you. Damn, I'm just trying to make things right. Well, I'm sure Miguel appreciates that. Hey, I'm not the one who put him in the hospital. Robbie, come on. Don't touch me, Abby. I don't need you anymore. What do you think would be the best course of action for Johnny to heal his relationship with his son at this point? I think he needed to be more present for Robbie. In season three, when Robbie goes to jail, Johnny needed to be there every day. <laughs> Instead, he chose to be there for Miguel, which is also understandable, but I think he needed to have managed his time better and he needed to really be there for his son. I think that Johnny really messed up with Robbie and I think that whenever he sees Robbie now, I think Robbie perhaps is a reminder of the way that Johnny failed as a father. And I think that for Johnny, when he sees Robbie, he probably feels shame and pain. And I think that he's maybe in the stage right now where he's not yet quite ready to face it. But maybe with Miguel, he feels like he is getting another chance. It is for that reason that some parents, especially parents who went through a divorce, might find more kindness or compassion or might be better parents toward children from their second marriage than they were toward children of their first marriage and sometimes even abandoning children of their first marriage and it's absolutely heartbreaking and i think that it's really johnny's responsibility to be there in robbie's life and robbie's feelings of abandonment frustration and anger and disappointment in Johnny are completely justified. Yeah. Why shouldn't he feel unimportant? His dad has not been there. His dad has essentially abandoned him and not been there for anything. And had been there for Miguel a mm -hmm. lot more than he'd been there for him. You don't understand. You can't trust him. And I can trust you. Robbie, please listen to me. You know, all those years you weren't there, I blame myself. Since the Chris is right, I can't be my own worst enemy. 
But you can be... Stop! I won't fight you. You are weak. Robbie, Robbie, you okay? Robbie. Robbie, I'm sorry, you okay? Robbie, I'm sorry, I need her that relationship really hurts me. There was multiple times where I was like, man, go check on your son, dude. <laughs> No. <laughs> on the complete polar opposite you had mentioned mr miyagi and what a great role model he was for daniel mr miyagi was a very wise mentor and he meant so much to daniel hey mr miyagi i know it's been a few months but better late than never right I've been thinking about you a lot lately. I, um, you know, it's, it's funny. When I was a kid, you seemed to always have all the answers. And I guess I thought when I got older, I'd have it all figured out too. But now I just feel like I'm clueless. Makes me wonder, was it different for you or were you just better at hiding it? Maybe that was it, huh? I feel like lately I've let my anger take control. You know me, I've always been a bit of a hothead, so... I really wish you could be here right now. I know, sir. You remember lesson about the balance? Yeah. A lesson not just karate only. Lesson for whole life. Whole life have a balance. Everything be better. Understand? I understand. Much like Johnny and Miguel, Mr. Miyagi was Daniel's father figure. He was a positive role model, a source of wisdom, who taught Daniel to use karate in defense only. On the other hand, Johnny teaches his students the way of the fist with no mercy and this strike first attitude. These lessons were taught to him by his karate sensei, John Kreese, who he had mentioned earlier. Kreese, of course, being the current villain who lacks any empathy and any moral judgment and teaches his young students how to essentially be evil. Mr. Miyagi said that no such thing, a bad student, only bad teacher. How powerful are teachers, their influence, and the lessons that they teach? Mm, I love this question. I think teachers are incredibly powerful. I think that the way that teachers and any kind of mentors and parents influence their students or children really goes a long way because... If the teacher believes in their student and encourages them and, and treats their student with respect and kindness and compassion, that student will be a lot more resilient, like we see Danny being. 
they're more likely to take chances to go for it even if they don't believe in themselves they're more likely to get back up and keep going after setbacks and i think a big part of danny's success has to do with mr miyagi believing in him on the other hand teachers or mentors or parents who constantly shame and put down their students or their children are more likely to see those kids give up at the first sign of a setback, believing themselves to be incapable of remedying it. Mm. There's just so much that goes into being a mentor <laughs> and an influence. 100%. Yeah. As we were mentioning a little earlier, there are so many characters in this show who live in and out of the gray. Whether it's Johnny's arc of redemption, Miguel's descent into villainy, only to return to being the sweet boy again, or Robbie turning his back on a life of crime to become a hero only to later embrace his own villainy again. They tap dance in and out of this gray and you kind of see where they are and you kind of empathize with them. There are a lot of these back and forth multi-angled characters in this show. What do you think is the message of having so many characters that slip in and out of the gray like this? I think one of the messages that I took away anyway is that what we see is a lot of times distorted and it's not the full view that if let's say somebody is acting out or treating us unkindly, we might automatically assume that that person is a villain, that that person's a jerk, but we might not know their perspective. We might not know their life story. And a lot of times when we get to know somebody, we're able to not only empathize with them, but we're perhaps more able to create that compassionate connection that allows that person to be more present and more open with us as well. And I think that what the show really demonstrates is that for the most part, there are no villains and there's nobody that's perfect all around. Everybody is capable of making mistakes from Johnny to Sam to Danny, anyone, just about anyone is capable of redemption. A lot of it really boils down to the choices that we make, how we choose to live our life, how we process our losses and maybe who we choose to listen to as well. Johnny's character evolves from an arrogant, chauvinistic, cynic to a caring, sympathetic, honorable role model. By flipping the script and showing the motivations and humanity of a former Cobra Kai champion, longtime fans can see a new side to this would-be villain. More importantly, we can all see that anyone can be the hero and it's never too late to change. What are your thoughts on this? I love that message and I think that's absolutely true. I think that in addition to us sometimes villainizing other people, we often villainize ourselves. Many of us might spend years, decades even, blaming ourselves for past mistakes, sometimes not realizing that we've already paid for them and that making other choices now, today, already makes us a better person. I don't think anyone is a full 100% villain. And I think we're all able to make different choices. And I think everyone is capable of redemption. I agree 100%. And that's what the show is so wonderful about. It definitely proves that point that redemption is possible. At the end of the third season, Johnny and his students join together with Daniel and his students, and they join together to stand against John Kreese and his group of Cobra Kai thugs. 
This series seems to overtly suggest that change and unity are possible through empathy and forgiveness. Considering how divisive things have been in our lives lately, how can this theme carry over into real life and be a powerful lesson in the strength of unity and setting aside our differences? I think recognizing that we're all facing the same threat, in this case being the pandemic, for example, and we're all on this planet together. We're all here for one purpose, to survive and to help one another, I think can allow us to maybe put aside at least some of our differences and support one another in the areas that we have in common, whether it's our interest in certain TV shows like Cobra mm -hmm. Kai, certain video games, certain books, certain movies, and maybe reminding ourselves that behind the screen or the eyes of that person that we might not agree with in that moment is also a human being that has also been hurt, a person that's also had their heart broken, somebody that's been scared of not fitting in and not belonging, and maybe finding something in common with that person as opposed to focusing on the things that divide us. Hmm. How true. That is such a wonderful poignant point to make. We have to end now. I mean, I know there's so much to cover and I'm sorry if we didn't cover other characters and situations and get to more of the meat and potatoes of this series because it's so awesome. There is a lot to go with. And there's a fourth season even coming up. We have a lot more time and maybe we can revisit this wonderful show. For now, we're going to go ahead and end this episode. Again, my name is Dustin McGinnis. You can find me on Twitter at The Valiant Geek. And I'm Dr. Janina Scarlett. You can find me on Twitter at Shadow Quill or Dr. Janina Scarlett Official on Instagram. For all of our listeners out there, we are sending out free signed copies of Dr. Scarlett's book, Dark Agents, Book One, Violet and the Trial of Trauma. To enter the drawing, all you have to do is tweet about this podcast with the hashtag Superhero Therapy Podcast. We will choose one lucky listener every month to receive their free copy. Unfortunately, due to high postage costs, international listeners will not be eligible for this promotion. Thank you so much for tuning in. Stay safe out there, everybody. Stay kind and take care.